on America Can We Talk. I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. Coming up next, America Can We Talk with your host, Debbie Georgiatos. And hello and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Today on our show, first of all, I wish I had a magic time machine because I'd like to list about 25 topics which we need to be talking about, but we don't have that much time. So I'll tell you what we're talking about today on our show is the border is flooded as Texas 42, uh, excuse me, as Title 42 is ending May 11th, which is now this coming Thursday. The Allen Outlet Mall shooting as well as Brownsville. Uh, did not involve shooting in Brownsville. It was a car used as a weapon. Uh, reverse hate crimes and the New York subway death. Whose fault? And you have to tell you, folks, I've been in a ton of meetings recently with a variety of activists. And I know the many, many stories we should be talking about today. And um, so I'll just tell you, I'm going to put ahead for tomorrow. I want to talk about the fact that um, Texas State Senator, uh, U.S. Senator Ted Cruz has been challenged in a primary, um, whether or not, uh, not in a primary, excuse me, he's been challenged in the general by a Democrat. And it's a, a lot of what will be the outcome there will be the fault, the, the uh, outcome of the failure of the Republican Party in the state of Texas to actually pass meaningful election integrity reform. Because it's, it's very concerning to me. I'm going to hit that tomorrow. Uh, obviously, the Proud Boys were convicted, the January 6th defendants. Uh, we're going to have to hit that story tomorrow. I also just quickly teased tomorrow's show. So I met a, um, a really neat British uh, guy who has his own talk show in the UK. Um, and met him through an activist thing my husband and I were working on. In any case, he is going to join me tomorrow on this show uh, via Skype from the UK. We'll get more of an on-the-ground uh, discussion. I suppose we'll have to talk about the King uh, Charles coronation, which I don't really care about very much, uh, but also just kind of the feel on the ground uh, in the UK and in Western Europe as the world seems to be spinning out of control. So those will be coming up tomorrow, other great stories. But today, I'll just turn to the border story first. You know, no matter where you live in America, you at least hear reference to our borders insecure. And I had a a conversation with a young millennial woman a couple weeks ago who was just saying, who's, you know, a leftist, who just said, why, why are conservatives so obsessed about the border? You know, what's the big deal? So more people come here, we can absorb them. That was basically the message. And I want to talk about that today in this first story. So, you know, what's the short story of it is, as you likely know, is that, um, he who occupies the White House, Biden, um, has decided, or his team have de has decided, to allow Title 42 to expire. And Title 42 was just a means used uh, by the Trump administration uh, to hold back the just the, the torrent of illegal aliens 
who are clamoring to pass over the southern border, enter into America, and of course disappear into the heartland and never be seen again until they turn up as voters or something worse. And so this Title 42 had to do with COVID protecting, you know, because we had a COVID emergency. And so the Biden administration from day one has been thinking about what are the ways we can increase all of this, the border crossings? How can we make it easier for people, anyone in the world who wants to come here, make it easier for them to enter our Southern border and, and get rid of all these hindrances put in the way uh, by the Trump administration. And so it's been a, it's been a just notable from day one in the Biden administration, the things they're willing to do to make, basically make it easier and easier and easier and easier for anyone who wants to come to America to cross our Southern border. And so, um, and also if you did not see this show, I think, think when it was, it was this past Thursday or the previous Thursday, but I had a wonderful guest named Christy Hutcherson. No, it wasn't a Thursday. It was a Tuesday show. But in any case, on our website, americacanwetalk.org, you can hear my interview with Christy Hutcherson, which is, and she's the founder of Women Fighting for America. And she's basically reporting on the presence in South and Central America of all sorts of camps of people coming from around the world, intending to use that as a launch pad to entering America through our southern border. We're talking about uh, Chinese nationals, young fighting age Chinese men, not coming with family, not the wife and kids, young fighting age men, assembling themselves in South and Central America, joining the caravans, crossing over the American border, which is completely unenforced. So part of the answer to my young millennial friend who was saying, you know, what do, what, what do we care about the border? The answer really is in order to have a secure country and to have a country with laws and how many people are here and, you know, basically are they here legally, that they're citizens, so they should be entitled to benefits, they should be required to pay taxes. Or are they people who enter illegally? And so, you know, we don't at this point have any capacity to do that. And I just want to share some of these numbers with you um, because what's happened on the Biden administration is they took office, they they got rid of many regulations and policies that the Trump administration had in place, basically with a goal, let's just let them all in, you know, and, and what Trump had tried to do in part was require people to stay in Mexico as they were being processed to determine whether they meet our asylum law standards. And it was something like 98% did not meet our asylum law standards. You don't get an asylum in America because you'd rather live here or because uh, you are poor. Those are not reasons that you're granted asylum. Asylum is a specific law. So Trump had them staying there. You know, Biden just can't wait, let them in fast enough. And of course, let them disperse. So I sent to Mr. Emilio, the wonderful producer, a, uh, it's a slide uh, that lists some data provided actually, and this is, and so you know, this is a, a text by Chief Raul Ortiz. Uh, and his, um, his Twitter handle is at USBP Chief, United States Border Patrol Chief. So in just one week, He's talking about just one week what happened. These are just, just a random summary to provide you. Two agents assaulted, 54,000 apprehensions, 18,000 approximate getaways, um, 714,492 seized uh, in, in money, in cash, or, or the valuation of cash, 101 pounds of cocaine, 1,050 pounds of marijuana, 2,721 pounds of uh, methamphetamine, 138 pounds of fentanyl, 16 firearms, six sex offenders, seven gang members. That was just in one week. 
and you can come back to me. I'm making the point. Uh, I wanted to show that because my young millennial friend and many people who are just not focused on thinking about policy think that the border policy and and you know whether we have what immigration numbers we have it's all a measure of whether or not america wants to be generous and whether or not we can share abundance with people around the world whether or not we care about the poor and be really clear the reason people are concerned about the southern border beside the fact that we can't have people just randomly um, entering with no accountability no knowledge of who's here um, and you know, what, whether they intend to live and work, I mean, are, are they going to become citizens or do they just disappear into the heartland, which the vast majority do, and we never see them again. So it's not just that we don't know who's here, it's that dangerous people come here and we have apprehended at our southern border terrorists, people on the America's terror watch list, whom we would probably catch if they tried to fly into the country and probably catch if they tried to sneak in, I don't know, 10 years ago when we used to enforce the border, but these people around the world, brazen, actually dangerous enemies of America, see the southern border as just, you know, hey, it's a place to go in America. Everyone knows they're rich there. And, and so it's it's the danger of people coming here. It's also the very, in my view, very well-founded, well-grounded concern that the abandonment of the southern border, which is 100% intentional by the Biden administration, the border has not become overrun. And by the way, since Biden took office, it's somewhere in the range, the conservative estimates, 5 million people entering America illegally. I mean, these are the getaways, no idea where they are, no idea what they're doing, including whether or not they are kind of, as some people surmise and are concerned about, whether they are people who are just kind of waiting to be part of the fighting force when the word is given, uh, China openly saying they want to take down America, Chinese nationals at the border, and you have the Biden administration just acting like they can't figure out what to do. And, you know, it's a, um, I'll tell you one other thing that, that just, if you want a, a hint of the cluelessness of this administration. So you had Biden's border chief, uh, the, actual, the actual border chief, Alejandro Mayorkas, was asked, um, okay, so it's this coming Thursday, this coming Thursday, that Title 42 elapses, and understand there are now a million, one million migrants right across the southern border of Texas, right below in the Mexico side of the southern border, one million waiting for Title 42 to elapse and for them to pour into America, recognizing we don't have Border Patrol in place even when we had a quasi-normal flow of people. We, we have an unsecure, insecure, in fact, in many places, simply non-existent border. And the Biden administration knows this. They're not only unwilling to help, they are enabling, they are facilitating, they want this. And it's important to understand when you are a leftist and you believe in the new world order, the notion, notion, and you believe in the, re the importance of diminishing the role and meaning of, the, um, of having borders, when you think like that, the idea of the borders on enforced is kind of irrelevant. It's like, you know, pointing out somebody forgot to, you know, paint the front door the right color or something kind of relatively irrelevant. That's how they think that this border thing is kind of an old school concept of a sovereign nation. And, you know, we're advancing beyond sovereign nations or advancing beyond America. So everyone can come in. So Mayorkas is asked, so the, the May 11th, this coming Thursday, Title 42 is gone. All of these people uh, uh, clustered at America's southern border, the million waiting there, on top of which we have in um, 
coming up from the Central and South America, you know, hordes more, millions more, who've gotten essentially the mental green light from the Biden administration. Everybody's going to get in. Nobody gets stopped. Go ahead and go. So Mayorkas has asked essentially why this is happening. Why do you think there is this massive horde of migrants gathered at the southern border? The precise question to him was, can you explain why you've seen this big surge of migrants in the last couple of weeks? So he's asked his six days before the Title 42 border barriers to be lifted. His answer, and I'm not joking, his answer was, it's very difficult to identify the cause. I mean, he could ask any person living in the border towns, any person living in Texas, any person in America who is, you know, has a pulse and is following the news. Of course, I can tell you why. It's not just that 42 is elapsing. Title 42, that protection of the American citizens is being eviscerated. But it's because America has been sending since the time of Obama, Biden. It's like Biden was back there in the middle of things under the eight years of Obama. They were receiving a message in South America, Central America. America's going to open up their borders. Come on up. We'll find a way to let you in. But he actually said that. Alejandro Mayorkas, who is, you know, Biden's border chief, he's that that's his job. And he said he didn't he difficult to identify a cause. Can't figure that one out. And actually, you know, I'll tell you something else. A large number of Venezuelan uh, Venezuelan immigrants are making their way up here, which will be a feature in the story later in the show. Many Venezuelan immigrants. So these aren't just people. And by the way, a tiny point, but I always want to remind people, you know, when you ha- we have a law in America, we talk about people wanting to come to America and, and they're seeking uh, refuge. You know, they are coming to America and they want to be uh, accepted here uh, and see whether, they quali- whether or not they qualify um, to come to America and, and, you know, leaving aside the 1 million a year, at least people who legally enter America using your immigration laws, there are, you know, that there are those people too, but leaving aside that you have all these people showing up the Southern border and they're basically trying to qualify for amnesty and the amnesty law actually has specific things you have to show, like you're being persecuted or your religious faith is being persecuted or the government in your country is coming after you. And so, the, then, the one of the rules of that is that you have to go. If you are fleeing persecution and you just want to find someplace safe, someplace where there's amnesty, uh, what you're required to do is to go to the first bordering country that will accept you. So when you're coming up to America from Venezuela, we're not the first one. You know, there are many countries along the way they had to pass through in some way. So you have these Venezuelans showing up at the border, and of course they can answer, yeah, you know, the honest ones, or I shouldn't say, the ones who have a good motive, or at least, yeah, I want a job, I want shelter, I want, I want food, I want a better life, the usual reasons for uh, people coming up here. But we are now in this country facing a massive, massive overrunning of the American population. If you're talking about a million just now, this week, sitting on the southern side of the Texas-Mexico border, who are going to flood over in in addition to the 5 million who have entered and not been captured. Uh, so we have 5 million floating around, who knows? And by the way, it's a very, very conservative estimate. Many, many experts have talked about the idea that if we don't get the border under control but, and we continue the present Biden abandon the border completely policies, which is really all they're doing. Do not delude yourself. They're just trying different policies. 
the Biden administration policy is abandoning the border. We are looking at, by the time the re-election occurs, which is now less than two years away, something in the range of 20 to 25 million illegal immigrants here in America, all of them very willing to vote if only some dishonest election system would permit that, which, you know, with the way our election system is now, a whole lot of them probably get to vote. So I, you know, I raise this to say, when I talk to you in this show and in speeches I give and such, I talk about the idea that the Biden administration is not simply adopting different policies and trying them out. And they're not experiencing horrible results of their policies because they didn't think it through or because someone misunderstood their instructions or because they're just trying to be nice. This is the calculated, permitted, encouraged, and enabled invasion of America, enabled and encouraged by our alleged current president, by he who occupies the White House. This is a coordinated, permitted, encouraged, enabled, invasion of America at our southern border. And, you know, you, you can hardly get the media to pay attention. I mean, conservative media pays attention. But we're now sitting here on a Monday. This is Monday, and you know, May 8th, and we're looking at three days from now, the border overrun. And that's just the first, you know, wave of illegal immigrants who are going to pile their uh, way in. There was a video, and, I'm, and I realize the video doesn't have any audio in it. So for those just listening, I'm going to play this video, just a very short segment of how these troops look. They're not troops. Well, they are kind of troops. These illegal immigrant caravans look piling their way, you know, moving their way toward, in this case, I believe it's toward Brownsville. But in any case, let's quick show that video, Mr. Emilio. And I'll just tell you, uh, for those just listening, you can hardly picture the massive, it's just a long, long, miles long string of people, nearly all fighting age men, nearly all young men, not, I mean, there's a few, you see moms and babies, but for the most part, you are seeing young fighting age men lined up, I mean, as far as the eye can see, heading their way toward America. So I'll close out this first segment by saying, we have, if we had a sane media, if we had a responsible government, and it should be both political parties unwilling to tolerate what the Biden administration is doing to this country, you would have members of the Senate and members of the House in Washington, as well as the state legislatures, legislators lined up at the steps of the Capitol demanding that our government enforce the border. I mean, this is a fundamental job of any government. And we have been, been so dumbed down with the just abuse of America under the Biden administration. We can't muster up the votes in the House to impeach Mayorkas, to impeach Biden for not enforcing the border, to impeach Kamala because she was border czar and did nothing except blather away about climate change. I mean, this is the most, it's almost surreal. It's like if someone wrote a book and said, you know, America's going to get to the point where the actual administration charged with enforcing the border uh, isn't doing anything and the border's being overrun and we're not sending troops and we're not, uh, and we're not building the wall and we're not protecting the border with a massive invasion. That's what we would have if we had a same, but we don't have that. And so I'll tell you that this, that kind of springboards into some other stories and we'll share it a little bit later, but. To end up this opening segment, I will say 
I am still hopeful that there will be not only a, an uprising by the American people, by the members of the House and Senate, demanding that the Biden administration close the border and force the border. The House could literally say, you know, we have the power of the purse. We're not funding anything you do, President Biden, anything you do until you enforce the border. This is the World Economic Minds Forum mindset. This is the mindset of people who actually don't really care very much. In fact, they don't care at all that the border isn't enforced. They're just right in front of our eyes. It's not like they're hiding it from us. It's right in front of our eyes. And the entire country goes, yeah, but, but what time does a playoff game start? And wait, wait, who, who's up again? And what time? I mean, we have these, you know, distractions, which we'll talk more about. But we have these distractions in our daily lives. And it's like we're watching as the country is being invaded. Just the border issue. To my sense, by the way, I talk about many issues on this show. I'll tell you the two issues I think that will make or break America. Uh, one is the border, which is gone at this point. And the other is election fraud, which is similarly not in any way being contained uh, in any way at all by this administration or any Republican majority state house in this country. We are not addressing election fraud in the meaningful way it needs to be addressed, which is to get rid of all the machines, to use paper ballots. Anyway, wrap up the first five to say, it's hard to believe you can live in a country where the president is enabling the taking down of America, the invasion of the country, and the citizenry, except for the activists who go down there, report and talk about it, mostly the American people are going on about their lives and might be kind of mad about it when you ask, like, yeah, yeah, you should really do that. And they don't see it is the beginning of the end of America, or really, as we're now talking, we're past the beginning of the end of America. We're at the point where we're watching the destruction, the Marxist takedown of America by this administration right before our very eyes. Okay, I want to tell you, you know, I thought about opening the show, these two stories, and I decided to make them second for a couple of reasons. So you saw likely over the weekend, there was a horrific mass shooting at uh, the Allen Outlet Mall uh, in, here in Texas, in North Texas. There was also an incident in Brownsville, Texas at an immigration center where a car uh, ran a red light and plowed into a crowd of largely migrants um, and they weren't all migrants, but mostly migrants and killed eight people. And I think there are six or seven injured. Um, and so the, it was, it appeared intentional. The police down in Brownsville said they're trying to decide, was it you know, alcohol intoxication? Was it, you know, just, uh, you know, lost control of the car by mistake or was it intentional? Was it alcohol, lost control or intentional? Many people on the ground there are reporting to the media that, it appeared intentional that the driver of the car who plowed into this group of migrants, uh, who, by the way, were mostly from Venezuela, who, which is not a border country with America, in case you didn't know that. They, they made their way, way all the way up Central South America to get to America, in any case. Um, but the driver of the car uh, was yelling, allegedly, to some people who were there, uh, yelling, uh, using the F-bomb, effing migrants, and yelling at them, effing migrants, go home. That was the story. Now, I want to tell you, a, an amazing fact about both of these incidents. At the Allen Outlet Mall shooting, as well as a Brownsville, you know, car plowing into the crowd, the driver in the Brownsville case and the shooter in the Allen Outlet Mall case are Hispanic, are of Mexican origin. 
And I say that for a couple of reasons. I, I want to share with you why. First of all, I should say, my heart goes out to everyone who is suffering, everyone who lost family members, everyone who's, uh, you know, I, I'm sorry for the loss of life, the loss of innocent life. It is horrific. And, and it is, it's horrific. But I want to make two other points, and I'm very sorry it happened. Number one, by the way, the Allen Outlet Mall is a few miles from my house. I mean, I just went there, like, four. I've never been there before. I'm not a big outlet mall shopper type person, but I did go there one time recently, um, about four weeks ago, because I had a visiting relative. We went. I we just kind of walked around and you know looked at stuff. In any case, it's a really upscale, lovely area. It is a um, kind of remote. It's not in the middle of the city. Um, and it's a huge, I, when I went there, uh, it's a huge place. I mean, massive parking lots and tons and tons of stores. People, it seems like they go there almost as a tourist attraction. I mean, I guess they shop too, but it's, it's a cool place. In any case, two things of observations I want to make about this. You know, in this country, anytime there is a shooter or other bad guy uh, engaging in bad conduct, uh, the left, the media, the you know propaganda media, the echo chamber, the anti-American left, which is most media in this country, look for a bad guy who's Caucasian. They can't wait to say, oh, another white supremacist or a you know or something that tags bad actions onto white men or white women, but mostly white men. And so they're just dying to find some link to white supremacism. But actually, in both cases, uh, the individuals involved were Mexican or they were of Mexican origin, uh, still prying out the details as the police are digging in here in North Texas um, as to the, the guy who did the shooting. And he was killed by police. The one who did the shooting, Alan Alamal, was killed by a police officer. Thank goodness. Um, wish he'd been killed sooner. But um, they're talking to his parents. Uh, the guy was in his 30s. He lived at home with his parents. He had had several jobs. He'd been in the military, dismissed from the military with concerns about his mental health. Uh, he then became, but he had all sorts of, uh, you know, gun training while he was in the military. He became a security officer. So, you know, he's functioning, using arms, uh, using the role of security. In fact, he was dressed in the time he engaged in this horrific shooting, uh, dressed as like a security um, guy is what he thought he was. Anyway, um, so they're talking to his parents, trying to figure out what was going on with him. Um, and there will be an eventual report. Uh, and then the one in Brownsville, the driver survived. He did, there was a car, the car rolled, but he survived and he's in uh, hospital and he'll be in jail. Um, and, you know, of course, I understand his motive will be important. But number one, it wasn't white supremacist. But the real thing I want to say about that is this. I'm going to tie back what's happening uh, in the, um, with the Title 42 dropping and the expected massive immigration the Biden administration is not only permitting, but encouraging and enabling. That is what the Biden administration is doing. They don't want that to be a top of mind in the American mindset. They don't want that story to be the story of the southern border being overrun. They don't want that to be the main story in the news, mainstream in people's minds. So, you know, they look around for other stories. So they could not be, you know, they're pro they don't, they look at these stories about Brownsville and the Allen Outlet Mall as good distractions, good distractions. You know, people will still be, as they should be, you need to be mourning the loss of life. You need to be, I mean, and the Allen Outlet Mall is, is they announced permanently and indefinitely closed, uh, which is, you know, for many people, it was, as I said, it was, I, I couldn't believe how huge it was. It's, you know, it's, it's a place they enjoyed going. But in any case, 
at the very least, the people who are trying to divert your attention from the Biden administration's intentional destruction of America. Um, other stories, they're only too happy to have other stories in the news. Second is, there was some speculation, at least as to the Allen Outlet Mall shooter, as to whether he had any connections to the Mexican cartels who have, you know, who run the border and who run the Mexican government. I mean, Mexico is a narco state run by the cartels and everyone, especially a guy like this, committing a mass uh, shooting as he did in Allen Outlet Malls, I hope they're doing at everything they can to dig in and figure out whether he has any con connection to the cartels. I mean, whether any connection, whether he received money from them, because there's nothing that people who want to take down America love more than mayhem, chaos, and which ultimately always leads the left to argue about. And because of all these terrible incidents, you know, uh, you, we need to have gun control. It'll always be the left's instant reaction as you see, uh, you know, gun control is needed. He should, and, and the guy had legal guns. Maybe he had some illegal ones too, but the Allen Outlet Mall was guy was qualified um, to own guns. I, I raise all these things because I talked to you a couple weeks ago about this idea of fifth generation warfare and how the warfare battlefield now is really in your mind and the minds and hearts of people. You know, can you be manipulated into fear? Can you be manipulated into just surrender of your freedom because you're so afraid? As happened during COVID, many people gave up their freedom willingly, their freedom to decide whether to get a vaccine, their freedom whether to have their business open, whether they had to wear a mask everywhere because of fear. And if the people who are fomenting, enabling, and desiring the takedown of America, the destruction of America as a free and sovereign nation, more brought into control to the World Economic Forum globalist world, if those people can introduce and cheer on the cultivation of fear, the cultivation of chaos. People sense, so oh, I just want the country to be safe. Tell me what to do. I'll do anything as long as you can make it safe. I mean, these are, these incidents are not, um, it's important to understand how, um, how beneficial incidents like this are to people who want to distract you from the bigger story, which is the Biden administration's truly not exaggerating takedown of America. Okay, I call this next segment reverse hate crimes. And you know, um, we'll probably talk, I mean, there are other, so many important stories going on in America today. Uh, you know, the January 6th Proud Boy convictions should be of massive concern to everyone. I, I don't know anyone in Proud Boys. I you know, have no affiliation to that. But our justice system has been compromised by this uh, just hysterical desire to, for the DOJ and the FBI to do everything they can to support the current administration by attacking the previous administration, including uh, anyone who supported the previous administration. And I will tell you, in addition to these horrible things uh, that occurred in, in Allen Outlet Mall and in Brownsville, I think you should keep your eye open and watch for other big stories in the news that will again distract you from focusing on and recognizing the outcome of the intentional policies of the Biden administration. I mean, this uh, indictment of President Trump uh, clearly uh, it appears to be coming very shortly out of Georgia. Um, and, you know, that's going to be a um, obviously a big news story and all the you know, propaganda outlets, not just, and I don't mean when I say propaganda outlets, I don't mean just CNN and MSNBC. I mean, ABC, NBC, CBS, you know, all the alleged, you know, journalists, as well as New York Times, Washington Post, 
to get you distracted into the minutia and nuance of whatever it is you're going to indict Trump for out of Georgia, if that does happen, it benefits them as they attempt to divert your attention from really the destruction of America that the Biden administration is enabling. It benefits them if you stop thinking about it, stop focusing on it, and get worked into a lather over being upset with Trump because of whatever the new indictment story is. Uh, it's, it's just, it's really, really important. I'll tell you something else. If these two incidents, uh, the Brownsville as well as the Allen Outlet Mall, um, if it turns out it was just a Hispanic bad actor, you know, a Mexican origin or American Hispanic bad actor who had no cartel affiliation, trust me, the story will be gone from every news outlet in this, outlet in this country. The story will be gone because it doesn't feed their, it doesn't help their agenda. It doesn't feed their agenda. So, okay. But I do want to hit this very interesting thing uh, called reverse hate crimes. I've talked to you many times about how the left has just, and you know, we are, we're just treated to a daily uh, avalanche by, of stories. Uh, and really it's been, you know, it's started kind of under Obama, but it began escalating as the left was just hysterical over the idea that Trump got elected and could be president for four years. And out of a country where we had growing, uh, you know, good relations, good race relations between American citizens, we had you know, a the wonderful, beautiful, extraordinarily important thing of having not just that we ended slavery after the Civil War, but we had the Civil Rights Movement, we had great progress, we had the ending of, of uh, segregation, of, of government forced segregation, many, many, many great things. The country was on track. But the Obama team took advantage of and intentionally manipulated the American people into racial division. It is part of what Obama's signature goal was, was to bring the Marxism, the socialism he believes in, you know, into America. And it's used this concept of cultural Marxism, where you may not make a whole lot of headway arguing about economic uh, disparity because there's economic opportunity here, but you can exploit and continue to exaggerate the, the uh, argument about racial tension and racial division and all of that. So this critical race theory emerged, which we've talked about in the show before. And, you know, fortunately, many people dug in to point out critical race theory is just the modern version of Marxism. It's just a, it's just another spinoff of the original critical theory under Marxism. Critical, mar critical race theory was introduced in, Amer in America's public schools specifically, precisely, and exactly, and intentionally to drive a wedge between the races in America. Critical race theory is not an attempt to promote racial understanding, expand racial understanding, build bridges of understanding. Nothing about it is intended to heal. Nothing about it is intended to improve anything about America. Critical race theory is designed to permanently exploit and permanently drive a wedge between Americans uh, of different colors. In critical race theory, the entire point of it is they teach children to hate America. It is, a, it is a fundamental point of critical race theory. You must hate America as founded. You must hate, you not, must not accept that the founding of America, <clears throat> excuse me, based originally or in the Declaration of Independence and then spelled out later in the Constitution. That's not the real America. When you're a critical race theory person, the uh, history of America starts in 1619. And I'm, I have a reason. I'm coming to this. Let me just plant this seed and I'll tell you why I'm talking about it. 
So critical race theory <clears throat> was intended by the Biden administration to be a, a new wedge. It was 1619 project emerged out of this, you know, to me, very racist uh, idea coming out of the New York Times, 1619 project. It was birthed really to fight against Trump's victory. As Trump comes in as a uniter, we're gonna, as a, we're stand together as America, we're gonna, and you know, his policies lifted everybody up, you know, every racial ethnic group division in America by which uh, statistics are about where statistics are kept show everybody did better on, under President Trump's policies. But this drove the left nuts because Trump is all about America, freedom, capitalism, you know, America as founded, America unique, extraordinary, great, make America great again. So 1619 Project emerged out of New York Times saying, you know, it was basically another iteration of critical race theory. It was the idea that you must not think of America as good. You must not think of America as noble. You must think of America um, as a deeply, deeply flawed from its founding country because slavery existed here. And because slavery, slaves were brought to America from Africa prior to the formation of America, which was true around the world. If you're going to say no country can be respected, if they had slavery in their past, you're pretty much left with no countries to even like. But they did this to, it was not really, it was nothing about trying to improve race relations, it was everything about trying to tag, trying to divide America permanently along the lines of race, trying to tag uh, white Americans as permanent oppressors. And no matter what you did, what a great life you lived, no matter how, you, how much you helped others, Critical race theory says your skin color determines your character. We tell you your character because you're skin color. And if you're white, you are a permanent oppressor. If you're black, you're a permanent victim. This is the whole point of critical race theory. And so fortunately, when uh, citizens in America became aware, it was being taught. All these citizens spoke up and parents showed up at school board meetings. Parents showed up around the country saying, stop doing this. Stop teaching our children this garbage. In fact, Governor DeSantis in Florida, and he, along with other states, tried to stop critical race theory thinking from being taught in the schools. And you know, many people pointed out, even when the legislature says, no critical race theory, we're not teaching that, you know, people found ways, leftists who just can't wait to divide America. That's what leftism thrives on, is division and creating classes of people who will turn on each other. That's what leftism is all about. So the leftists love critical race theory. They tried to fight back about it. Parents got woke, got awake rather, went to schools, they get rid of critical race theory. So it's a really important thing to, um, <clears throat> to know. I'll tell you this story, a quick story, and then I'll tell you what Biden is doing. So the quick story is, there was a story which I can guarantee you will get exactly zero coverage anywhere in propaganda media in this country. But it's important to understand what's the consequence of the left perpetually driving a wedge into race relations, perpetually pushing Americans to see each other in terms of our race, ethnicity, and national origin, skin color, and to drive a wedge of suspicion, resentment, and jealousy between the races, which is what critical race theory is, is what the left thrives on. So, so this has been going on. We've had this endless discussion of white privilege, check your privilege at the door, admit your privilege. I mean, just harassing college students in universities around this country to admit you have privilege, admit your, I mean, it's like before you woke up one day or you, you know, you lived your whole life and you did good things and worked hard and got good grades and went off to college. And you, your introduction to the college experience was to be told you're a bad person. You're a bad person. You're second class 
and you're not really welcome here because of your skin color, which you obviously didn't choose. And you must check your privilege at the door. I mean, we just, the left, the academia effort, the, you know, thousands of hours committed by academia and left-wing institutions around this country to drive a wedge in among American students and to have Caucasian students be told, because of your skin color, you're a bad person, you always will be. You'll always be an oppressor. Now admit it, you're a bad guy. I mean, it was, it was a horrible thing. And so parents are starting to speak up and fight back. So I want to tell you this quick story and then tell you what Biden is up to. The quick story is uh, there was a, a, a double murder situation. Two murders happened in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And it was just, I mean, uh, I think just this month, no, late last month, late last month, there was a black guy who happens to be homeless, uh, a black guy whose name is Carlton Guilford. Carlton Guilford, he's a homeless black guy. He got a hold of a gun and he killed two white men, two different situation, you know, not, not the same instance, but very you know, close in time, killed two white men by shooting them in the back of the head, you know, like execution style, killed them. Uh, and they were, you know, one was a, um, a guy uh, named London Hathcock, 35 years old. He was at the library. He's at a library called uh, Rudisil Library. And the other one was a guy named James McDaniel, 55 years old, who was at a quick trip convenience store. And so this homeless guy, Carlton Guilford, shot them both in the head, killed them, and is basically admitting, I did it because I hate white people. Now, clearly, he's homeless. Many homeless people are mentally ill. Many homeless people are mentally ill. In fact, you know, it's why. It's, it's a circular thing. They became homeless because they're mentally ill and they can't handle a job and can't handle life. And then they live on the streets and life is hard. Then they, I mean, it just, it, it feeds on itself. It, it's really, it's a very sad and bad thing. But in any case, so he killed these two people, these two white men, total strangers to him, never met him before in his life. He just, and I'm going to ask you to think about it, even though he's a homeless guy, so he's not, you know, maybe he's not reading the news every day, but I'm talking about the infection, the sinister infusion of the poison of critical race theory, white privilege, all of this wedging, driving a wedge of hatred between the races, thinking that the left thrives on. And you get a guy like Carlton uh, Guilford, who's obviously got problems anyway. And he, what his reaction is, well, these must be bad people. I mean, he had no reason to pick them out, except they were white and ended their lives. I don't know anything about these victims' families, but obviously, you know, most people have someone who's going to be deeply upset. You've lost a loved one. And there was no reason, no provocation, nothing. He's been charged with a hate crime, with a racial hate crime, this guy has. And, and you know, he should be, but I, I don't know what the law will be in Oklahoma, um, in Tulsa, because um, he, you know, he may have um, a capacity to seek, you know, not guilty about reason of insanity. I mean, I'm going to guess he's got a good insanity defense. But part of who's guilty of these murders is not just the guy, not just the shooter, but the people in this country who perpetually argue and perpetually discuss alleged and non-existent systemic racism, institutional racism, you know, a white privilege. This deliberate 
pushing of critical race theory, pushing of just you know everyone who has a certain skin color is guilty from the moment they're born because of their skin color, and everybody has some other skin color is a victim permanently from birth because of the skin color. This is hideous, it is odious, it is contrary to the very idea of America. America is not perfect, no country is perfect. But our, our system is not set up and our country is not premised on the idea that we build uh, culture, society, rights and laws around skin color. And the left, this, the whole idea of America the founding idea of America, this idea from the declaration that we all have rights from our creator simply because we were born to life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. We have inherent rights. We have the right to live in freedom. We have the right to, to work and dream and achieve. Yes, I understand America's system hasn't been perfect. We have to do a better job of educating, especially low-income children. We have to do a better job of increasing to the extent we can, extent we can, opportunities and capacities for all young people, all people to make, the, to get ahead in life. But actually we do a lot of that already. America does a lot of that already. But I'm getting at I, the critical race theory advocates have some responsibility for the actions in Tulsa, Oklahoma of Mr. Carlton Guilford. They are responsible in part because this is what they're teaching. They are as guilty as any if, you know, the tiny portion of people who actually are white supremacists, which is almost none, but those white supremacists and in our country, should they, wherever they are, if they teach anyone, any white person to hate people because of their skin color, they are also guilty. They are equally re responsible. We do not let, we, we universally condemn white supremacists for speaking in any manner that av advocates for racial superiority of one race, racial hatred of another race, we rightfully condemn them. We rightfully say white supremacists is an evil thought, an evil movement. We need to treat critical race theory exactly the same way. Critical race theory might have all sorts of fancy, you know, intellectual, uh, long papers written and master's thesis degree, thesis written about, you know, expounding blah, blah, blah. At its core, it's racist. It is infusing racism into American society and is causing things like Carlton Guilford to, to what he did to happen. So what's Biden doing? Well, I told you this about what Biden's doing. So parents around the country have been striving and striving, try to get critical race theory out of their schools. Can we just go back? And we want to have the unique greatness of America taught. Stop teaching a 1619 Project anti-American lie and teach truth about America. That's what we want to have. So the Biden administration, uh, obviously annoyed that the um, conservatives, that, and they're not even conservatives, they're just lovers of America, respecters of individuality, uh, are rising up to say, we want our kids to talk about America's goodness, taught about America's goodness, and not about racism. So the Biden Department of Education is beginning to impose uh, some of the most radical theory, uh, radical forms of critical race theory in our schools, including the 1619 Project and the so-called anti-racism um, of Ibram Kendi, Ibram X. Kendi. And if you don't know this Ibram X. Kendi uh, character, um, he's been pushing this anti-racism, which sounds like a nice thing in the abstract. Everyone's anti-racism, everyone is. But his point of anti-racism is, uh, you must take massive, massive steps to allegedly fix the course uh, to reverse discrimination. Uh, it, it's like it's like racism in the other direction. 
That's what uh, this Kenny guy is teaching. And so the Biden education department is pushing this to say they're going to, they're going to basically condition money on, um, federal money on um, these very ideas that the conservatives, the pro-America, the pro-we're-all-equal uh, people have been trying to get schools to follow. So proposed new rules establishes priority for grants in American history and civics education. The rule gives priority to, and then they have all the language, which everybody paying attention to education policy understands. It's code word. It's dog whistle word, uh, what they're doing. They put language in these new proposed federal regulations in the Department of Education. They're looking for projects that incorporate racially, ethnically, culturally and linguistically diverse perspectives and they praise the regulations praise the 1619 project as well as the critical race theorist Kendi this is why I mentioned a moment ago Kendi uh, leading examples of the kind of ideas that the Biden administration wants to fund and spread related to that there's a bill that is sadly supported by one of the U.S. senators in the great state of Texas John Cornyn who has an R by his name, which is about all he's ever done as a Republican. But in any case, a, a new bill hasn't become law, thank goodness. The bill is called Civics Secures Democracy Act. Civics Secures Democracy Act. People were pushing for, we need a return to the teaching of civics, like real civics. And so Congress comes up with something which is basically teaching veiled forms of critical race theory, veiled forms of 1619 Project. They support leftist action civics, blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, this is to understand, you might be really thrilled because you got a victory in your school district where you got the school to say, yeah, we're going to stop teaching critical race theory, but keep your eyes and ears open for the rest of your life, frankly, for the rest of eternity, because the people who benefit politically from infusing society with racial poison, racial suspicion, racial resentment, they're not going to stop. I do not believe most people who are the broad, the thinkers at the high level in critical race theory, they do not think they're trying to help mend race relations. They're looking for not just you know, um, getting money for, for people who are, you know, re reparations are not, not just a little tiny piece of it. It is to, it's a, it's a large and long-term effort to inflict pain and punishment on people who had nothing to do with slavery on, and, and to lift up and pay and enable people who were never slaves, but can be treated like they are victims today of what happened 150 years ago in America. This division, this whole reparations notion, I really want to focus on it, just one more point on it, and I'm going to quickly touch on one more story. Um, but when you are a leftist and you recognize, and what, you know, Lenin, when he came along, he got people uh, concerned about, and, and in his society, his time, his era, Marx, Engels, Lenin, was all about the idea of economic uh, you know, convincing you because of economic disparities that you should give the government all the power. You should, that's what socialism and Marxism were sold as, is, you know, because there's economic disparity and there's no way that people can make their way in life and you have the proletariat and the bourgeoisie and, and that it's, it's wrong, 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 wrong. And so, you know, what is happening in America today, the critical race theory people, the cultural Marxist people, they know the only way you can sell the ugly evil of Marxism, socialism, and communism is to create a society that is in disarray, 
chaos, suspicion, not trusting each other, not believing in each other, and looking for the government to please save us, remember all the chaos. This is what, this is why this is being pushed by the Biden administration and other leftists. There are people at the high level who understand, who are coming up with these theories, they understand it's just a new method of creating the same division we've been trying to create under Marxism, socialism, and communism that came along. They understand they're trying to infuse division. Now, there are plenty of people who are just kind of the, you know, Lenin's useful idiots. They are just playing along. They've been taught, oh yeah, this is a great idea. We should, you know, talk about, um, you know, we should talk about 1619 Project and talk about reparations and talk about America and how we're really a terrible country. They kind of get drawn into it without realizing they're enabling this Marxist destruction of America's culture and fabric and strength. Much more on that. But anyway, Biden's going to keep pushing. We better keep pushing too. Not just Biden. The, the entire anti-American left is going to continue to push this. One last quick story. I'm going to, I don't have time to probably do the whole story, but I do want to tell you um, another example of the way all of this intentional division works. And it relates in part to the way the media handles stories and covers stories. So you likely heard about this incident that happened on the New York subway. Uh, in the New York subway, uh, there was a, uh, you know, people get on there to go to work. In fact, I I had family who used a subway in New York. They don't do it anymore. But anyway, they would take the subway to work. It's very common in New York because there's no place to park. You know, people, most people don't want to have to drive a car and park. So subways are really vital to many people to get to work. So subways got, you know, hardworking Americans. And a guy got on and um, he was a... Um, He'd been on before many, many subway rides. He was a uh, very troubled young black man, and he was extremely disruptive. He was muttering to himself, throwing garbage at people, muttering to himself, I don't mind going to prison for life, intimidating and frightening the passengers. And uh, his, this guy's name was the, the passenger I'm speaking of uh, on the subway who was behaving in not just disruptive, but threatening way. His name was Jordan Neely, N-E-E-L-Y, Jordan Neely. And so he's just uh, a very, very quick thing about his background, uh, Jordan Neely. So he'd done this many times. He had 42 previous arrests. 42 previous arrests. He had an outstanding warrant uh, for having physically assaulted a woman, like a 62-year-old woman or something. One of his arrests had to do with him grabbing and trying to drag away a, um, a, a uh, like, three-year-old child on the streets of New York. The guy was, you know, a, a clear danger to society and, and really alarming to people around him. So he's on the subway, he's threatening people, and, and so there were a flood of 911 calls from the subway you know, saying there's a crazy guy in the subway. I think he has a knife. Some of the reports of people calling and saying, I think he has a knife. Some of I think he has They're talking about this whole, okay, do we have our sound back? There we go. Okay, we're getting a little bit of an interference here. Let's keep going. Anyway, um, there had a, um, the behavior of this guy wasn't the first time. He'd done this in the subway before, done this. I mean, just, just a, a long criminal record. And so, a passenger on the subway in order to subdue him because you don't know, you don't, you shouldn't have to wait until someone behaving so irrationally, you know, jumps up and, and cuts someone's throat to something really bad. So a passenger jumped on him, a Marine, held him in a chokehold just to get him on the ground, get him a chokehold, get him to stop. And then two other passengers were holding him down. Well, the short story is Jordan Neely died 
uh, on that subway car, or he was pronounced dead when the authorities arrived um, due to the, apparently due to the chokehold. The Marine veteran was trying to protect the people on the car. And so I'm telling the story to say, you know, again, whose fault is all of this? I'll tell you Jordan Neely's life story in short. Jordan Neely uh, grew up with a, um, he for a while had a single mom. His dad abandoned the family. So there's a, a mom and this boy. The mom remarries. She marries a guy uh, who is abusive, physically abusive. The stepdad actually ends up killing his mother, kills Jordan Neely's mother. So he's, I think he is 14 at the time devastated, you know, uh, I mean, just just kind of everything, his life has been horrible. Um, and he's now, he's on the streets. He becomes clearly mentally ill. He's very angry at life, at society. And you, at some level, can understand that. I mean, he had a terrible life. So he's had this life, no mental health care apparently provided to him. And, you know, the social services thing that should have protected his mother from this dad. I don't know if the mother reported the stepdad. The whole point is, he had a really bad life, and a lot of it springs from I mean, the destruction and the loss of America's families. You know, we don't have in, intact family units. Endless reporting, as I've done many times, about the number of people end up in prisons, end up arrested. It's nearly all, the vast majority, are young men who grew up without a father in the home, who grew up without the censoring uh, force of an intact nuclear family. So this guy, you know, uh, this young man uh, did die. The prosecutor in New York is looking into whether to charge the Marine, um, I guess for excessive force, because he held a guy down to wait for the authorities to arrive and get a hold of him, get him off the subway car. And um, and, and this Jordan Neely guy died. I am sorry, Jordan Neely's life is like a, like a tragedy. It is a tragedy. It's a tragedy he ever had lived like this. But it's also a tragedy that there are more people responsible than just this Marine. Uh, one um, is being kind of all of American society. And again, leftist policies that have worked to destroy the American family and mock the American family. More to come on this because I'm out of time. I will follow this story because, of course, the DA in New York could hardly wait to charge a, black, a white military guy uh, whose actions caused the death of a young man. Uh, there are actually more stories to tell, too, about the idiotic media coverage, just the deceptive media coverage, but I'm out of time. But anyway, I wanted to say about this, you always, in looking at these kind of stories, you have to look at the deeper cause. What got this guy to this point? And what in society should we have been doing to try to help him ahead of time? But as all of you know, if you listen to my show very often, I close the show every day by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our show today talking about the border flooded as Title 42 ends this Thursday, May 11th. Estimates as high as 1 million migrants ready to cross the southern border May 11th. Expiration of Title 42, limiting immigration on COVID emergency grounds. Uh, too bad the expiration was allowed to happen. Even the low estimates are around 700,000 people ready to cross. So we have 700,000 to 1 million people crossing a national border at once. That would be an invasion. Every American with a lick of common sense knows this is an invasion. Border state governors, inaction or weak action is inexplicable, inexcusable, 
unconscionable. In the face of invasion, governors should do whatever is necessary to stop it. Not the time to ask federal government permission. It's time to act to protect citizens. This isn't a close question, which makes Americans suspect, suspect even governors are compromised, including ours in the great state of Texas. When common sense no longer exists in government, chaos is the only possible result. On the Allen Outlet Mall shooting in Brownsville, Allen shooter and Brownsville driver are Hispanic. Suspicion of ties of perpetrators to Mexican cartels and drugs. Suspicion of linkage of the timing of these incidents with the May 11th Title 42 expiration. Are they planned distractions? Are they psyops? When media goes off on white nationalism as the motivation, when that wasn't involved at all, you know, what the heck. Investigation must examine all evidence of cartel involvement. Americans now live with enormous distrust of government. Even tragic, horrific events are questioned. Are they orchestrated, agenda-driven? Government explanations of the perpetrator motivation are questioned. Remember the Las Vegas shooter. Few trust in the integrity of government investigations. This level of distrust in government is dysfunctional to society. It cannot continue. On reverse hate crimes, black man in Oklahoma kills two white people because they were white. Incessant CRT teaching, 1619 grievance project, reparations debates, unstable people can internalize this nonsense. Bitterness and acting out are not surprising. They can be expected. Yet another aspect of tolerating rampant overuse and abuse of allegations of racism. American patriots must step up and speak up as to truth about America. False, unopposed narratives are destroying the country. GOP is pathetically weak and ineffective at opposing the racializing of everything. And the New York subway death and whose fault? Jordan Neely was a tragically broken soul. A criminal record, 42 prior arrests, repeated violence and threats of violence. Video of Marines' effort to restrain Neely do not show malice against Neely, but a desire to protect innocent people. Oh, the Jason Whitlock column, I linked it on my, um, my americacanwetalk.org. Read the Jason Whitlock column on this topic. A brilliant perspective on the cost of family destruction in Neely's life. Media narrative implying Neely to be part of a family of musicians is truly sick and damaging to all who read it. Utterly detached from reality. Designed to provoke division and racial hatred when absolutely nothing of the sort is justified. Americans are not buying the mainstream media narratives anymore. And that's a good thing. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. I'll be back in our real studio tomorrow um, and Wednesday and Thursday. But for today, I want to thank you for tuning in to America Can We Talk every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. My name is Debbie Georgiatis. Our website is americacanwetalk.org. I do this show, America Can We Talk, to speak up for America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Talk. Truth about America. Can you